are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 13 of the Lunch Break Podcast. My name is James Bodden, and I am super excited about my guest. Nick is a former collegiate wrestler, startup founder, and enterprise account executive selling legal technology with Adderant. He is based in SoCal, and when he's not connecting with customers, he enjoys hiking, biking, and coaching wrestling. Now, Nick, before we started the podcast, I can already tell this is going to be a ridiculously awesome valuable episode because Nick was sharing with me the uh, how he was prepping and and the links that he was going to to get fired up to come on the show so I I'm I'm fired up to have him here and with that let's dive right into it Nick I'm I'm happy to have you here thanks for coming on yeah absolutely James thanks for having me I'm really excited to be here and I mean I've already enjoyed talking to you right before the podcast so I'm really pumped for today Nice. And, and you know what? I'm not going to spoil your, your, your preparation methods for the podcast because I think you're going to put some content out on LinkedIn. So I'll let you, you reveal yep. what that is. But folks, Nick is someone who uh, is obviously a motivated individual. And that's why I wanted to have him on the show. I think one of the things that gets talked about a lot in sales is the correlation between athletics and 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 selling and and successful salespeople. And so super pumped to have Nick here and and so diving right into it. Nick, tell us about how you got started in sales. Yeah, definitely. So I think I hear, I listen to a ton of different sales podcasts and I hear that question asked a lot and I hear a lot of people say, oh, I kind of just fell into it. I, I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Some of that applies to me, but I was actually pretty intentional, intentional about getting into sales. Yeah. Um, when I was in college, I actually started a company and, and ran that for about two and a half years. We raised uh, a round of funding and we, uh, it was pretty small. It was just me and, and two other guys. And we ended up getting a national contract with LA Fitness, which is one of the big gym chains in the U.S. And That's it was wild. exciting. We had no idea. Yeah, we had no idea what we were doing. We were kind of just shooting from the hip at all times. And um, we were in college. So it was literally like two guys in a dorm room. We had, you know, our desks and beds right next to each other. And we're just every day, like we had a big whiteboard. No idea what we were doing. But the, my favorite part of the job was the biz dev stuff. It was sitting down mm. with the uh, director of business development for LA Fitness, who, I mean, the guy was, you know, in his mid fifties and here I was, I was 20 years old and I, we had no idea what we were talking about, but we were making things happen and it was super exciting. And so a lot of the operation stuff and the ordering and the inventory management, I could do it, but the sales stuff was what got me really juiced up. So when we sold that business in 2016 and I had to think about what am I going to do next? Because we made some money, but not enough where I could just sit with my feet up and, and hang out on podcasts all day. Um, <laughs> yeah. I decided, okay, like, let me, let me try and get into sales because that was the, that was the exciting part of the job. And it, it mm -hmm. kind of ties into the, uh, the entrepreneurial mindset of what we were doing before, where what I put in is what I get out. The harder I work, the more money I'm going to make. Yeah. Um, just exciting, which is why I'm loving what I'm doing right now too. That's super interesting because you're right. Most people that I hear on podcasts, they get asked that question. I answer that question like 
I kind of fell into it. It wasn't intentional for yep. me. And what's interesting is that you're not too many people do it that way, I guess. Most people mm-hmm. spend some time being a salesperson and then kind of get that itch to get out on their own and start their own company and kind of do their own thing. And what I love about that kind of reversal of the order is that experience that you got to have of being in college and having that, like you said, being in the same room and and it's just like on a whiteboard and it's kind of something that you're always working on. That's, Mm -hmm. that's completely different than, a regular job, even, even a job that you consider a career when, when it's all consuming like that, I mean, that's a different level. So what, what do you think was, was starting a company like that obviously had to be something that you had always had an eye on, right? And you said you were kind of intentional about it. So yeah, do you think that's kind of just always been part of what you were going to do? Well, yeah. I mean, my, my dad ran his own business. He he, uh, he ran his own law practice for about 20 years. And so I got to grow up watching him. Uh, he was actually, he had a, a legal radio show and that was a big way that he got clients to come mm, to him. And interesting. so I almost feel like, and it was interesting, you know, we were talking about what did I do to prepare for this podcast? <laughs> and I don't even think I did this on purpose, but he would always tell me like he would go to the gym and he'd have a crazy hard workout and yeah. Uh, to get himself ready to get on the air. And it's kind of the same thing here because when, it, when you're on, you're on, you got to be on. Um, so I think part of it was following in his footsteps there. Part of it was my business partner. He was also my, my wrestling training partner. And so yeah. um, he and I were, were super into fitness and working out and supplements and the vending machines that we had, we sold these full-size tubs of supplements. We were kind of like, have you been in the airport and seen those Best Buy vending machines? Yeah. It was almost the same thing but we were selling full-size tubs of protein powder and pre-workout. So it was Got almost it. like a BNC in a, in a vending machine. We called That's ourselves really the cool. Red Box Supplements. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was intentional to, to do that. And, and there's actually so many connections between what we were doing there and what I'm doing now uh, from an enterprise sales standpoint, because so much of um, selling at the enterprise level is you're managing complexity and you don't always follow the same path. It's not a transactional sale where every single deal follows the exact same route. I'm always having to strategize internally, not just with uh, the sales side at my own company, but I'm talking to product managers uh, and I'm talking to customer experience people to figure out, hey, we need to put a reference in place here. Uh, We've got a customer with a unique situation. Every single deal I work is a unique situation and starting a company is the exact same way because you're figuring it out. And not a lot of salespeople can do that. A lot of people, a lot of salespeople can follow a process, but to be strategic and manage the, the art of the sale, that it, it's challenging and it, it takes a lot of practice and it takes grit sometimes because you'll end up going the wrong way and, and wasting 18 hours on, on trying to make something work and realizing, wait, that's actually not going to work. I've got to go the other way with this customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you said a lot of interesting things there because that, that complexity is something that is hard for most salespeople to wrap their mind around because the experiences that I had starting out in sales, you know, I worked at in retail and then uh, even in inside sales, there was 
you know, the majority of my inside sales jobs have been, you know, you kind of come into a process that's already in place, that's been proven, yep. you follow these rules, you follow this process, and this will give you success because of the way that it's structured, right? And then, yep. you know, getting into the world that we both live in now, you know, this enterprise deal, long sales cycles, many, many stakeholders, many, many variables yep. to think about. <clears throat> One of the things that I kind of, I don't want to say preach, but try to talk about as much as possible is managing your emotions as a salesperson yeah. when, when you're working with at the enterprise level. So yep. can, can you talk to us about how you do that? Like, how do you manage these, these, uh, strategy sessions with the different people and and in your company and and then uh, all of the things that that can happen on the the other side that is out of your control how do you how do you kind of stay in the middle yeah i'm really glad you asked that that's an incredibly important question because managing your emotions is not just something you do when you're in your work day at sales you can get mm. off of work and then it can be 6 p.m. and you're going home, but you're still thinking about your deals because that's your livelihood and that's your money. Um, so there's two things that I would say you can do. One, I'm, I've got to give a shout out to John Barrows. Mm. Um, I, I love his podcast. He's great. I've, I've been a follower for his for a really long time. And he always says, um, if, you've, if you have a big fat pipeline, so many of your other problems go away. If I have a deal that just goes completely awry and it's, it's blowing up in my face, and I put a ton of time into it, it, it can really hit you. And yeah, you're going to be upset. You never want to lose those deals and lose money. But if I've got 18 other deals that are all moving and they're all going in the right direction, it's a little bit easier to stomach that. The second thing, because even if you have a great pipeline, like I said, it's still going to hit you. You have to take care of yourself. I don't care if you're in sales or if you're, uh, you're, in, you're in engineering. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You have to take care of your body and your mind uh, because I'm in this for the long game. Mm. Uh, I'm not in this just to, to close a couple deals this quarter and make some money and, and, and get out. I'm, I'm in this. This is my life. Um, there's another guy I like to follow. Jake Dunlap is his name. And he talks about the um, balance between uh, work-life balance. And I, I, I really like what he talks about where there's, there's one uh, mindset around work-life balance where they're completely separate things where you've got your work and then you completely separate and you've got your life. And, and work is something you do and you have to do. And then you go and enjoy your life. Uh, I'm not going to lie and pretend that every single day that I'm working, I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to be doing this. It's hard. It's hard work, but I also get gratification out of it. It's just, for me, it's just my life. This is, this is my life. I love getting to do what I do. And, and part of that is the organization that I'm with and the people that I get to work with that, that contributes to me enjoying it. Um, but it, this is also just my life. And if you're not finding ways to be intellectually challenged and enjoy that, then you probably should get into something else. Um, mm. so what I want to point at is I think it's super important that you take care of yourself, um, in connection with, with your, with your work. And so I don't mind on a, uh, Saturday morning, busting out my laptop and, and prepping for the week for a couple hours, because what that allows me to do is on Tuesday afternoon, when I got a bad night of sleep the last night before, for whatever reason, and, uh, you know, I just had three no shows and my day kind of emptied out and I'm just not, I'm, it's, it's not a good day. I'm not feeling it. I'm lucky enough where I get to work remotely. I'll say, you know what? I'm going to bring my phone with me. So if somebody calls, I'll pick it up. But I'm just going to go to the gym 
and I'm going to go hit some weights for the next hour. And when I come back after that hour, I'm juiced up. And I don't know if, if you're big into working out, but I get that, that runner's high or that lifter's high where, man, I just feel on top of the world because I just set a new record with, with my bench press or something. And I feel really good. I feel really juiced up. And that's when it, it completely changes the momentum of your day. I'll come back and I'll make 80 cold calls because I'm just, I'm just jacked up from the workout. Now, maybe the pre-workout is, is coming into play there. but um, Yeah, especially if you have a vending machine in your house, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh man, I just finally now have made it through the last of all the all the vendors that we worked with that we sold. They would just throw samples at us. It was great. Yeah. yeah. So I had just I actually don't I don't even use pre workout because it I, I used it for too long in college and it yeah. I actually prefer to be a little bit calmer when I'm lifting weights. I don't need to be throwing stuff around. You see these guys in the gym who are you know, they're walking around like they're all big. I, I, I just love working out. I love the, the discipline and yeah. um, the progress that I see and it's it's a lot like sales too. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go off here, but no, um, no, you, you, you've touched on something. Yeah. You, you, you've touched on something that we haven't talked about on this podcast before. And it's actually something that, so what I'm happy about is that there's folks like you out there that are, have realized this early on in your career that health is important and health is a key in being a successful salesperson because of all of the extra stress and variables and roller coaster and all these things. But I do feel like there's still a large part of the sales community that just isn't taking care of themselves. And I know I didn't for a long time, especially you know, when you're a customer facing salesperson, when you're working a 12 hour day and the closest place is the subway or the McDonald's, and then you, you know, are drinking a bunch of Red Bull and all of these bad habits that for me, for, I'd say probably at least for the first like four or five years were like what I considered part of being a salesperson. Like, Right, a whole bunch of Red Bull and eating, you know, in the back for ten minutes because I needed to be on the sales floor. If I'm a hunter, like I say I am, and all all these things, and then you hit a point for me. So what's interesting is I've never been somebody who enjoyed working out. I've always yeah. enjoyed being physically active, but sure. um, what that led to, like in my twenties, was just when my time, when I didn't make time to be physically active, that means that meant that I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't working out. I wasn't yeah. playing basketball. I wasn't doing anything. And so just in the past, I'd say year or two, I've, I've made it a priority. And, uh, as far as actively working out, but I'd say about three or four years ago when I got into inside sales and, and, wasn't living the 12 hour day, six day a week life, yeah. I realized, yeah. okay, I can, I'm in a slower environment here. I need to start thinking about my health and my diet for a number of reasons outside of my job, right? I mean, just generally, like yep. you said, it's your life. And was amazed how quickly it made a difference. And especially now, I feel like my physical activity and working out is what allows me to continue to take on more things and 
totally. do do more of what I want to do and more of what I think is a value to others. And it just kind of is that it's almost, it almost feels like it's just kind of the grease to the wheels, right? Like it just kind of helps you keep going. And even yeah. if, so, you know, your, your point of view of being somebody who enjoys it uh, and has enjoyed it. And then for me to, to not really have ever enjoyed it, but still see the results. I think we can speak to kind of both groups, right? Because there's the group of salespeople that yeah, I know that this is going to help me out and I'm in it for the long yeah. run. And then for the folks that haven't figured it out yet, I mean, it, you have to. You have to start thinking about your health. You have to take care of yourself because if you're operating at 70% all the time, what do you, there's yeah, no way. You're missing to, a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I love, I love that well, you so have brought that up. So continue to talk about it. Well, you make an interesting point there where you just said you were never someone who was like really into it, but you enjoyed playing basketball and doing yeah. other things. Yep. From my standpoint, that is working out. It, it might not be you lifting weights, but it, that's still a workout. And so um, the advice that I give to anybody who wants to, to get into exercising and working out is find something that you actually enjoy to do because that's the only way you're going to stick with it. If you've tried lifting weights for two weeks and you just hate it, well, then don't do it. I love hiking. I love hiking with my girlfriend. She and I go hiking almost every weekend. That's the way that we catch up and work out at the same time. And it's, we never miss a session of that because we love it. Um, let me bring it back to sales though, because I actually think working out in sales are really, really similar mm -hmm. because it's not about any particular day or session. It's about the cumulative work that you put in. It's about the systemic impact of those actions, right? Because I might have, I might wake up in the morning and I, and I slug three Red Bulls and I'm fired up and I make 800 cold calls. Well, I just had an awesome day and I bet you I said a bunch of meetings. But if I don't make a single cold call for the rest of the year, how do you think my year is going to turn out? It's the same way with working out. We're, uh, we're in February here now, so I think people are starting to fall off their New Year's resolutions. Yeah. And so I see a ton of people at the beginning of the year, they're like, all right, I'm getting in shape this year. And they go to the gym and they have a, a four-hour you know, maniac session of, of lifting weights and doing sprints. And they're, you know, they throw up on the treadmill, but like, yeah, this is it. And then they wake up the next day and they are so sore that they never go the rest of the year. Well, you yeah. tell me how their year, year ended up. So when I go to the gym, actually, it's, it's not about I'm here to crush myself. I actually want to operate at the gym at 85, 90% of my max capacity. I'm never having a session where I completely kill myself. It's kind of the same deal with prospecting. Uh, when I'm making cold calls, I'm never going to take true. a day where I just only cold call for the entire day and I don't uh, address the other parts of my sales cycle where I'm addressing customer needs and having internal conversations to move deals forward. But I'm trying to, to sit down and every day, hey, if I can make... Uh, in, in my job, if I make 25 cold calls right now, I'll set a meeting. And that, uh, with the technology that we have and the stack that we're working with, I can get that done in 45 minutes if I'm pretty intentional and focused and I've got my list put together. Um, so for me, if, if, I can, if I can get together three or four hours of focused prospecting a week, which is about an hour a day is what it'll come out to, I'm going to be able to keep my pipeline full and I'm going to keep deals moving forward and I'm going to have a great year but I have to be really focused and disciplined with those things the same way I have to be with what I'm working out. I love that. I love that. And, and you bring up such a good point because I thought about this, the same exact thing yesterday because I've been with organizations that required a hundred dials a day Yeah. in your mm -hmm. first six months. Right. 
And then I've also, you know, been with organizations that had zero requirements around number of calls, right? And so what you start finding out is zero is never enough. Yep. And going all out to a hundred a lot. Hundreds of you know, if you're in day, SDR, you're you're well, entry yeah. level sales, you're in SDR and that's your job, that's what you hit. And but I yeah I think I, when you're I, I, I mean, I did it, right? So I, it's possible, right? But is that the best way? Is that the most well-rounded way? Maybe it is for a particular industry and that's the only way you have to do it. And so that's the way you have to do it. But to your point, um, you know, to go from zero to then just committing to say 25 a day, well, yeah. after a week, you have hit 125 and that's way better than last week where you did zero. And it's funny because that's how I uh, trick myself essentially into kind of getting into a habit of working out again. It's like, okay, so I'm going to do 10 push-ups this morning and I'm going to make sure that I do it for a week because at the end of the week, then I've done 50 push-ups and I haven't done any push-ups in years. <laughs> I mean, really, right? And then you kind yeah. of build it up and then every day and then now, and then you kind of weave in more and, and more focused things and the same with sales. So if you are somebody who, I mean, cause let's be honest, right? We're not all clamoring to make 80 phone calls a day. And so if, yep. if you're like me and like probably everybody else out there that's ever, you know, made a living on the phone, you do hit those patches where you're, you're maybe looking for something else to do. You're, you're kind of like, ah, maybe I could send a few creative emails or uh, not have to get on the phone. But if you can just carve out that like 45 minutes, 30 minutes every day, it's, it's going to make a difference. And what you said reminded me of something that Zig Ziglar has said before that I absolutely loved. He was, I think he was selling like, you know, the, the door to door silverware, yeah. something like that. And he became the top salesperson out of 5,000 salespeople. And he said, I was never ever the top salesperson because it was always a different person every month. I was always yeah. number two and I was there at number two every single month. So at the end of the year, yep. I was the most consistent, exactly. right? And so I think that's such an important yep. point to make because as salespeople, we get discouraged. We get a little delusional about the number of touches that we've made to a prospect as well, right? Yep. So you, yep. I think if we all went into the CRM and looked, we'd be surprised at how little we've hit that prospect that we know is somebody we need to get in touch with. Right. And so that consistency yeah, absolutely. is so real. So, you know, how do you stay on top of it? How do you stay consistent? You make an interesting point. You can go into the CRM and look and <laughs> yeah. I'm amazed the amount of salespeople I talk to who hate their CRM and they don't put anything in there. And maybe it's like the millennial in me, but I love, I love my CRM. We use Salesforce and I, I'm in there every single day. Like when I'm on the call with people, this is actually kind of weird talking to you where I'm not, I've got my headset on and I'm talking to someone, but I'm not scribbling down notes because yeah. I take really, really detailed notes. And it's not just about the sales thing. I was talking to a prospect the other day, someone I've been working with for a while and he's, he's going on a ski trip with his son. And I know what, he has multiple sons. I know which son it is. I know what, where they're going. I know he just bought some new gear for his ski trip. Well, that is all in the CRM. Mm. So 
when I talk to the guy this time next year, I'm going to ask him if he's going on the ski trip of the sun again this year, because it's an annual thing for him. It's so important to put that stuff in there. I don't even remember what your original question was. I got so focused on this ski trip. <laughs> well, no, no. I think it really just uh, speaks to the consistency, right? So your ability or decision to embrace the CRM, right, is yep. an enabler for you to remain consistent, remain informed about your customers. And there, it's so interesting because whenever I do these interviews, there's always like this common yep. theme that comes out. And, and really, as I've talked to you and, and all of these different things you brought up, it really is just a decision to look at things in a way that kind of constantly moves things forward, right? Because for you in college, starting a business, Mm -hmm. you could have been, you could have put somebody else in that scenario and they might've been super stressed out and super negative about the situation and who knows what would have happened, right? And then you get into an enterprise sales role and you have all of these crazy variables and, and kind of immediately are involved in complex, you know, B2B interactions yep. and, and, and just things that a lot of salespeople aren't exposed to right away. And sure. you could say, okay, well, all of this really sucks. I don't like any of this, right? But you're choosing to look at it and say, no, I get to do these things. I get to, uh, you know, be on this ride of, of, of kind of ups and downs. And, and so I want to commend you because as somebody who is kind of in a weird generational point, because I'm considered a millennial, but I'm an older yeah. millennial. So yeah. I, I, I get really frustrated when people that are just like two or three years older than me start talking about millennials. Yeah. And because, you know, we all know the stereotypes. We all know that people think we're lazy or people think we're entitled. But it's so interesting because the millennials that I've had on this show are all actually just kind of remarkably realistic positive individuals that are kind of determined to make a difference in whatever they're doing. And not a lot of people get to see that side of it. And so um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is your decision to come on a podcast like this, right? Yep. Um, I, I hope that it's the beginning of, of kind of you sharing your experience, because I think just being vocal about your experience is something that is valuable. And so, um, you know, I guess my question would be, as you continue your career, do you think about building a personal brand or, you know, producing content or things like that? Is that something that you are thinking about at this point in your career? Is it just kind of something out of passion? No, no, that's a, that's a, such an important question, uh, and I'm and I'm glad you asked that. So it's actually interesting. My my girlfriend is a YouTuber. What what she does for her work is she she makes YouTube videos for um for for women about uh, body positivity and and 
um, navigating the workplace. And it's really fascinating. She works so hard at it. I thought I worked hard. And then I see her, she's up to like 2 a.m. After her, her other job, she's editing videos. And I, I, I really admire her for her, her work ethic and her discipline. But I see her yeah. putting out all of this content. And it's actually turned into job opportunities where she's freelancing. And, and, and she's making an insane amount of dollars per hour, working two hours a week from home doing social media for um, for a startup. And so watching her yeah. do that is, is starting to make me think, and then watching people like you, and then I watch people like, like Morgan Ingram and, and seeing mm. the opportunities they've created for themselves on social. Yes. Um, I, I, I was a PR major when I was in college, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all about that stuff. And so I used to be really in big into fo- posting on Facebook and I would put stuff all over Facebook and I, I recognized the impact that that had on my network. Yep. And then I started posting a lot on Instagram because I think a lot of people my age started moving to Instagram. Well, now I'm like, and why am I posting on this stuff? I'm going to start getting on LinkedIn. So after, after this podcast, um, you know, right before we air, I'll, I'll put out my, uh, my post of, yeah. of uh, what I did to prepare for this one. But yeah. It's important. I think it's important. It's um, it brings the humanity into sales. That's why I love these video calls. It used to yes. be I was always on the phone, and you know, it's important to have a great phone presence because not everyone's going to do this. But the fact that I can be looking at you eye to eye, and I can read your body language, and I can Game tell when changer. you're something's resonating with you and not, it's so powerful. And so Absolutely. I want to start to bring that onto onto my my, my network on on LinkedIn. So I'm definitely going to start posting more. I want to start building a brand. Um, because that, that does have an impact. I know that my prospects and, and my current customers are looking at my LinkedIn profile and they want to know who I am mm-hmm. outside of just the, the, uh, the legal technology that I sell today, because that stuff's important and business is important. But like we were talking about earlier in this episode, it's all intertwined. My life and my, my business, they are yes. the same thing. And so who's to say that, that, that what I did to get ready for, for my work day isn't part of my work day. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think one of the things that uh, somebody that I've been, you know, just listening to crazy amounts of their content is David Meltzer. Yeah, I haven't heard of him. Yeah, so he's actually from SoCal and he is, okay. you know, he's a CEO, was the CEO of um, um, sports marketing agency and just has sure. a great story. But his message really is all about, there's just activities. It's just 24 hours and it's just activities. There's no, there's some activities I get paid for. There are some activities that don't pay me, but all of it is involved with each other and all of it is intertwined, like you said. And when it comes to, and I really hate the term like building a brand because really I think it's just curating your reputation as a professional Right. Well, it's letting people know who you are because the people people you interact with on a daily basis, they know who you are. They know your brand. But maybe there's somebody that I haven't talked to in five years who who they live across the country and we've used we used to be connected and just a little bit of content putting that out there and, and letting people see me and, and recognize you stay top of mind. And so all of a sudden, you know, you might be posting something and they say, Hey, actually it's interesting that you posted that. Uh, and I, I looked at your profile. We haven't talked in five years, but my business is in the market for what you're doing. Or, hey, I, I saw that you were looking for a new opportunity. My company's hiring. Can we get back in touch? Yep. Or just the fact that we spend so much time online, it, it's nice to have that stuff out there. I know that the, the professionals I'm working with, they're not, just, um, they're not just a face that I see in Outlook. And that's even for my own colleagues. Because I work remotely, I only see the people that I'm interacting with and, and, and on my team a couple times a year. And so we just had our, our annual sales meeting in Atlanta and it was kind of funny. I was getting on the airplane and the pilot was like, Hey man, do you want to come up into the cockpit? 
and he brings me into the cockpit. I don't know what I did to deserve this. I bought the cheapest ticket. I was in seat 22B all the way in the back. But he brings me into the cockpit and he takes a picture of me. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. I have been flying American a lot. So I posted on LinkedIn. I had a picture of me in the, the cockpit and I got, I got a ton of likes. And then everybody at the sales meeting came and talked to me. And these were people who weren't even in my division who like I never even interacted with. We're, we're mm. a fairly large company. But all of a sudden, I mean, that's intercompany networking. So they knew me by my face on my, my, um, you know, my Skype for business profile, but they didn't really know me. And that just facilitated so many more conversations. It's important. It's important that people know who you are and know what you stand for and know that you have a personality and that you're a person. No, you, you make a really good point about it being a great opportunity to connect with people internally because when you work for a large organization yeah, I've had that same experience where I've had colleagues that I've never really met in person already have tons of context about who I am and how I think about things because of the content that I've shared online. And I am not, <clears throat> for, as, for as much of a proponent of building a personal brand and creating content and all of that stuff, I think it's so important for especially salespeople. Um, it's not something that I necessarily ever thought that I would really enjoy doing. And so again, it's like, okay, so really what I enjoy doing is providing value and connecting with other people and learning from other people. And so you can choose to make your experience however you want it to be in, in whatever you're doing. And so I love that you're kind of looking at that as an opportunity to connect with people and and just kind of continue to be yourself at a larger scale, right? Just expose yourself to more opportunities and more conversations because we're so lucky. We're, We're so lucky to live in a day and time where I can have a business call with somebody in Australia and it looks just as clear as it does, you know, with you in Texas, right. And, and me in North Carolina. So uh, what great message to, to kind of just put out there to salespeople at all points in their career, utilize this thing called the internet and, and, and use it to curate a reputation for yourself. That's going to help you, help more people. Cause if you're in sales, hopefully you're in sales to help people. Um, yeah. So I love it, man. Well, so, you know, it's important. It, it's kind of last, last thought on that, James Yeah. is it's similar to, to, to cold calling, right? Like the first time I ever made a cold call was, it was terrible. It was just really <laughs> bad. I was stuttering. I was, uh, I hope you're having a nice day. Thanks for taking my, you know, and then the next call was, was really, really bad, but maybe incrementally better. And then 800 cold calls later, later, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Posting on social is the same thing. Um, the first post you prob- someone is probably ever going to do, they're going to reshare something from their company with no context whatsoever, and they're going to get two likes because yeah. their grandfather logged onto LinkedIn and gave it a like. Um, but <laughs> you start to learn what himself. works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to. It, it's important. Like you've got to mess up. You've got to make mistakes, and that's how you learn and get better. So that was what I would encourage people to do on social. I need to take my own advice because I, I probably have twelve posts on my entirety of LinkedIn. I need to do more of those things. I sit yeah. and watch, and I'm um, I'm kind of a lurker on, on LinkedIn, but I, I want to get out there. I want to interact and post, and I've I've started to get rid of those cold feet and interact with people more. But the yep. more you do that, and the more mistakes you make. 
the more you're going to learn and then things get better and better and better. Yeah, I love it. Well, and and you reached out to me and you're doing this. And so you're knocking down those those kind of uh, superficial things that uh, yeah. uh, will just kind of easily, I feel like those things just kind of easily get knocked down, right? Once you do it, it's like, oh, I'm so silly. You know, I'm going to just keep doing lots yeah. of this stuff. Um, and And so I think you make a good point Nick and and it's something that is is very true again for life and sales it's it's really about doing the things that you know need that need to be done and not necessarily worrying about getting you know so there are episodes and things that I post on LinkedIn that get a hundred views. And then there's things that I put that get a thousand views or 20,000 views or sometimes 30,000 views. Right. But I learned pretty quickly that I can't start judging it on that. It's got to be just yeah. part of my consistency, right? It's just got to be, yeah. you know, regardless of kind of what happens. And it's the same way with the cold emails and the cold calling, because, you know, you're going to have some pretty thankless, unforgiving days as you, you know, <laughs> prospect into the world. And you have to know that it's just kind of filling up your tank for uh, the, the, the doing the right thing tank, right. Of, of just kind of, you do yeah. enough of it and then eventually it all kind of just unfolds and starts happening for you. So as we kind of get to the end here, Nick, uh, tell us what you're up to. Uh, currently in your role and, and how people can get in touch with you and connect with you to learn more. Yeah. So I work for a company called Adderant and we've talked about it a little bit. Um, I sell legal technology. And so if you think about a law firm, most people, when they think about a law firm, they think that there are two sides to it. There is the practice of law, which is what somebody goes to law school to learn how to do. And then there's the business of law, which is actually running the business and running the organization. And I think the, the popular notion that people have is that those two things are entirely separate. They're, they don't connect at all. There's the practice and then there's the business. In reality, those two are very much intertwined. The ability that a firm has to run its business, to manage its cases, to get accurate and clean bills out to clients is very much intertwined with that practice of law. And so what I do at Adderant is I help mid-sized law firms um, to better serve their clients, to handle cases more efficiently, and to manage workflows so they're never standing around thinking, what do we need to do next on this case? They can immediately get to the next action. Um, so I really help law firms make more money and serve their clients better, which is what all of them are trying to do. I love it. I love it. And and how can people get in touch with it, Nick? I would just say, uh, get get with me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm pretty responsive to those messages. I'm checking that app all the time. I'm responding to messages. So I'm happy to talk to anybody that wants to get in touch, whether uh, you know you need help with something, you want advice, send me a message. I'll always reply. I love it. I love it. And And Nick, so... The last question that I ask every guest that comes on the Lunch Break podcast, what's your favorite place to eat lunch at? Yeah, so I'm a wrestler and I love eating. I mean, it's, uh, it's besides part of your working job out, description eating, as a wrestler. Exactly. Yeah. It's part of my job description. Um, so I work from home and so I'm never really out and about. And I go out to dinner a lot. But for lunch, I always go to this awesome place. Um, called my fridge, which is about mm. eight feet away from my desk, and I'll nice. open it up and 
Um, <laughs> that's kind of my favorite place to eat, eat, eat lunch. I've got, uh, I always get these huge bags of like kale. I, I live in Southern California. So, you know, I do yoga sometimes I eat kale, but I try and eat a ton of vegetables from lunch just from my fridge. That, that's Hell pretty yeah. much the daily thing. Now don't ask me what I eat for dinner. Cause it'll completely unseat the whole conversation we had about being healthy. Uh, um, I'm a huge, uh, like fried chicken and waffles fan for dinner. Really? Now that's not every day, but yeah, uh, yeah. lunch, I try and keep super, super healthy. And then, uh, dinner, we can get a little bit wild. Yeah. It's funny. I have learned that lesson painfully over the years of needing to eat kind of a lighter, healthy lunch and then, you know, kind of live, yeah. live a little bit more frivolously when it comes to dinner time. Uh, Nick, look, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed having you on the podcast today, man. I think you have such a great yeah. energy. You again are, are, are one of the folks that make me feel good about this, generation of salespeople that I'm, I'm coming up with and, and, and just really happy that you came on the show and had an opportunity to share kind of your views on things, man, because I think you're spot on and, and excited to continue to follow your journey, Nick. Well, I appreciate you putting this together. All the other uh, episodes that I listened to to prep for this were, were really engaging. I learned a lot. I appreciate you, you really being prepared for this conversation. This is great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to following the show and, and seeing it grow more. Yeah, man. We will keep in touch and, and be uh, continually crossing paths, whether digital or in person. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've got to make it out that way eventually. So. Uh, I'm, I'm sure all of that will happen. And so with that, uh, Nick, I'll, I'm going to thank you one more time for coming on the show and I'll wrap up episode 13 of the lunch break podcast. Speak to you guys soon. 